the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast Green Room. Uh, let me try that again. Welcome to the award-winning Instructor Podcast Green Room. This is the show where we cover all the latest news and hot topics from within the industry. And as always, I am your I'll say it again, award-winning host, Terry Cook. I'm delighted to be here, and um, I'm sure you guys were delighted that it's not just me, because I am joined by the co-founder of the Driving Instructor Trainers Collective, Chris Benstead. How are we doing, Chris? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Long time no see. Yes, pleasure to have you on board. Um, again, this is our first recording of the year, so good to have you on. And I'm also joined, making her Instructor podcast debut, and therefore... Taking her podcast virginity, Laura Morris of Go Green. How are we doing, Laura? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've got a lot of news and topics to cover today. In particular, we're going to be talking about the uh, the part two and part three waiting test. How that's affecting um, how that's affecting PDIs and the potential knock on effect to ADIs. But first, got a little bit of an announcement, haven't we, Chris? I believe you've got something that you want to share with us. Terry and I are having a baby. Um, I am, though, uh, and it's a little girl. So I just thought I'd let everyone know via here because this is, you know, this is is my extended family. So, um, so yeah, uh, we're having a little one in the beginning of July. So uh, we haven't massively shouted on social media, considering the first one was, you know, followed by driving instructors all over the place in the early days of facebook groups um so uh yes there you go that's my news i, I tried to time it then so like rob in the waiting room just as you announced it so it looked like rob was was your baby um <laughs> does does kaz know is kaz aware she 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 has noticed uh at least a couple of symptoms yes um swelling being one of them uh no she's doing amazingly well and she's great because she just gets on with stuff so i just it's business as usual get my head down and, and trying to make more money well, uh, congratulations to you both. Uh, and as always, this is a show you want to come for all your instructor news and exclusives. That's <laughs> important <laughs> thing in the industry, clearly. Well, that's because to be fair, it's relatively quiet on you. Well, at least relatively quiet on positive news, I think. <laughs> impactful news. But we've got a new baby Benstead. We'll have to do a poll on a name. So, um, yeah. Terry works either way. I always put an eye anyway, so... <laughs> You're not the only one. Uh, all right. Well, uh, as much as I would love to talk babies and birth with you for the rest of the show, it's probably relevant that we move on. Uh, and as I said, there's a lot of news uh, that's gone on, not all of it positive. And I want to start off with the the least fun one, shall we say, because there's been another blog by the DVSA or by Love Day Rider in, in particular. Um, and I know that you've got a four-paragraph Reef synopsis, I think you said, Chris. Uh, but before we uh, get into that, there's I will put the link for this in the show notes. If no one's caught the Love Day blog, which I hadn't, Chris actually had to remind me of it. Uh, th there's one thing I want to mention on this first because it's something that keeps bugging me, it's something I keep seeing, and that's some again referring to unforeseen circumstances because the blog is about the test waiting times for both learners and part two and part three tests, and they keep referring to unforeseen circumstances and how. They can still be unforeseen. I don't know. Those circumstances haven't changed. They have been there for four years now. They're not unforeseen. They're continuous, ongoing circumstances that still have not been dealt with. 
really annoying. Just just take that out. Just take that out. That's what I'm bothered about. But anyway, that's the be out my bonnet. Chris, what what are your thoughts on this? What what what's your synopsis, if you like? A political spin, isn't it? Um it according to the headlines, not the DVSA's one, but the other ones, we've got five million people trying to get one point eight million tests at the moment. So you know, is one point eight million? That doesn't seem to make sense. But anyway, it's yeah, they're fighting over those spaces. So it's it's just doomed at the moment. Um, so I I decided to type it into um into a an AI and and say as a cynical driving instructor, how should I um you know and understand what's going on from the DVSA? Um, and uh, yeah, it it claims that it's all spin. Um and uh that you know basically they're they're trying to make the figures look really good that they're doing something when they haven't got the resources to do so. So so that's that's the main thing is you know we're we're seeing massive problems because the people who were doing other jobs, they weren't employed for no reason, uh are now out on the front line trying to trying to do tests, and then they don't turn up. We've got no shows all over the place. Uh, none of those figures are mentioned. Of you know how many how many of the test slots that are out there are not are being wasted. Um, I yeah I don't know I I just I appreciate that's probably what they have to do. They have to comment and they're not going to put their hands up and go. Yeah, it it's our fault. We're not doing anything. But as you said quite rightly it's not it's not unforeseen anymore. It's just the world that we live in. Let's. Let's maybe try and do something a bit different. Um, yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see what happens next. But I, I just I don't get what they're going to do differently. Yeah, how, how do you fix that? I don't want the job. I, I, what's cheapest, right? I'll come back to that question in a second because I'm going to throw over to you, Laura, first. I think what I, I'm not sure if you had a chance to read the blog. What are your thoughts on the blog? What are your thoughts on the whole? predicament that we're in and the potential the, the job the DVSA are doing if I'm honest I think when it comes to this sort of thing I try and just keep out of it because I'll be honest I don't understand it I don't understand the maths like Chris said I wouldn't like the job either I think my biggest issue from a, an instructor training point of view is the the impact on part two and three tests yeah. and I subsequently standards checks as well obviously which aren't really happening at the moment um but honestly, when it comes to this sort of thing, I I did read the blog briefly, but I I don't get too stuck in with the, the detail because it just doesn't really make sense to me anyway, if I'm honest. I like the answer. It reminds me of um Stuart Lockery. Stuart Lockery is a bit like this, isn't he? He's like, I don't want to deal with the DVSA shit. I want to deal with the stuff I can control. But I, I do want to make one more point because I'm I'm key I'm keen on wording, and mine's not always great. But I think that if you're a governing body like the DVSA, and it's particular someone like Love Day Rider, I think when we think back to, to what she wrote about last year of the success of the year, and then this year, the, the term unforeseen circumstances, I think, is ridiculous. But I also noticed one other thing when I reread it today, which is she spoke about asking more of her colleagues to take part in testing. And I'm like, you're not asking, you're telling them. There's no asking going on. You have told them they're going to do it. And I thought that was an interesting use of the word asking. Um, 
I don't think that you ask Chris, how do they solve it? I don't, there is no quick fix. Unfortunately, we've been in it for four years now. So it wouldn't, it's never been, a, it, they've had four years to work on it. Well, four years? I thought it was unforeseen. Sorry. I've... Well, unforeseen. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. But yeah, I think the whole thing is now, I think I'm starting to take a bit more of uh, Laura's approach, actually, where it's like, just let them, I can't fix it, despite the, uh, some of the comments I might get on my YouTube channel, apparently now. Um, I, I, I cannot fix the DVSA. I cannot have a massive impact on them. All I can do is what I can do, so let them get on with it. But I do think that that, we've, we've spoke a lot about the DVSA communication before. I think it's poor communication, again, saying they're asking people, which is a lie. There's not asking. They are telling them that they're doing it and unforeseen circumstances. So I think the only other thing I will touch in, I do, despite, I don't always approve of the statistics I use, but I'm seeing progress being made. You know, there, there is more bits of space cropping up here and there. It's it's not going to be sorted within a year or two. It's going to be an ongoing process, a long-term, very long-term process. But is there anything else you want to touch on with this, Chris? No, I, th I think the, the only other thing is, um, you know, what Laura's already said about the effect on part twos and part threes, because, you know, trying to get those is is incredibly challenging. Um, and, you know, the DITC are sending a letter uh, to various different MPs and secretaries of state and such uh, to try and raise it. Problem is the, the standard response to that letter that goes to, you know, whoever, the, the DFT, um, is that it then gets sent to Love Day to answer. So, you know, it does make you wonder whether we can actually do anything. You know, it, it makes it feel pointless and we're best off just getting our heads down and getting on with it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm all for that. But you asked the question. So, you know, I thought I'd I'd try and answer it. But no, <laughs> no, no bloody clue. Um, but yeah, so, we're, you know, we're, we're at least trying to make sure it's raised um, and we'll we'll make sure there's a um a public uh template of the letter available so that people can if they're affected write to their mp uh, we recommend you do it we also acknowledge not everyone likes writing letters so um we'll we'll make sure that's out there and uh, we can just try and you know get it flagged up it it worked with getting a couple of things raised covid wise nothing was done but it got them raised so you know at least if it's on people's radars but we'll we'll see but we'll keep you in the loop on that one yeah, I think it's important we mention it. I, I, it's not something I want to dwell on too much. I think it's important we we, we keep people abreast of what's going on um, and do what we can. You know, I said someone was complaining some about the other day, and I'm like, well, I would rather try, I would rather do something and fail than not do anything and have no, and, and just not do anything, but either way. Um, but yeah, we are going to talk more about those parts on part three waiting times later on, including the 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 impact it's having on PDIs. I know that um, both of you are feeling that in, in what you do, because I know you both work quite heavily with, with PDIs. So we'll come back to that later. But let, let's take a moment to uh, set the table. So Chris, do you want to tell everyone who you are and why they should pay any attention to anything you've got to say? Most people don't. Um, but I'm Chris Benstead and I am co-founder of the DITC and specialist theory trainer at uh, Theory Test Explained. It's lucky I've got it written behind me because I had to read it then. Um, yeah, it just took me a moment. I had a migraine two weeks. So apologies if I muddle anything up today. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, um, support driving instructors who have questions, help them find stuff 
uh, that's out there, but they can't find. And then I also do theory. And I will continue introducing you as uh, co-founder of the DITC, despite however prominent you make the fairy test explained image on your background. Um, I will ask you slightly more nice uh, in a slightly more nice fashion, Laura, because it's your, your debut on the show. So do you want to take a moment to tell people who you are, where they can find you and what you have to offer? You know, I was thinking about this. I thought, I don't know how to introduce myself. So I thought, could I just take Chris's wording, put my name in it and in my business and then just go with that? Can we do that? <laughs> Um, but I am Laura Morris. I um, co-founded Go Green Driving Instructor Training, and in a nutshell, I train driving instructors everywhere, pretty much. Um, so, and, and why people should listen to me? Well, I'm not really sure on that one, but um, I try my best. There we go. That's why people should listen because I try my best. <laughs> people should listen because you articulate the Leeds City Centre in the most accurate, oh, descriptive manner ever, and I have. No directions. Leeds is, takes the biscuit on the worst places to drive. When I've been a lot of places, yeah, no, never again. <laughs> I have used your description with uh, several of my students, and they suddenly feel better that they struggle with it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yes, you are listening to the Instructor Podcast Green Room. As always, I am your host Terry Cook, and we are returning for season seven of the Instructor Podcast on March the seventeenth. A little bit of a difference this year. We are theming the season, so season seven is all based around road safety. We're speaking to some amazing people from within the road safety sector, aiming to bridge the gap between driving instructors and the road safety sector. Because as much as we probably don't like to admit, there is one and probably not all good enough at promoting that sector and utilizing it enough but what i would like you to do is click subscribe whatever you are listening well maybe not ever if you listen on google podcast stop listening on there because that's being taken off the market in april so find somewhere else but wherever you're listening go and click subscribe so this drops straight into your feed when those episodes drop for season seven on march the 17th but I want to come back to you for a moment now, Laura, because I want to ask you a question that I know a lot of people are curious about, and it's about Go Green, because I've seen a lot of stuff from Go Green recently with the new courses, new memberships, stuff you've got out, including a lot of stuff for ADIs that wasn't there previously. But Go Green lost quite a key figure last year, as the industry lost a very prominent and uh, beloved figure in Lou Walsh last year. Uh, and I've spoken to you a little bit about this, so I'm, I know other people will be keen to know. So could you just tell us sort of how Go Green's doing, how you're faring, and, and you know, without without that spearhead, if you like? I think I think you're right. I think a lot of people are wondering, a lot of people are asking, and um, it's quite an emotional sort of question, and I think that prevents a lot of people asking. I think from an emotional point of view, it, it sucks. You know, there's no, no other way of getting around that. It does suck. Lou, you know, Lou Blaine and I co-founded Go Green together in 2020. And we did so much together and we worked solidly together. And to be so close to someone to then lose someone like that, um, it was it was a real uh, so suddenly as well. It was it was awful. Um but you know, even now we're like you say, we're creating a lot of new stuff and there's quite often things where I'm reading them and I'm thinking, how shall I word that? Or what would Lou's thoughts be on that? And I think, oh, just ask her. <laughs> and I can't. And it that that gets me. When when that happens, that gets me. Um, but from a business point of view, I think 
you know, the, the work that we did with obviously Lou and Blaine um, over the years of, of Go Green, it's built such strong foundations. And I think that has put us in such a good position now to be able to build on that. Um, so we're very, very lucky. Um, although, like you say, it sucks because <laughs> I can't find a better word to describe it. But um, we're, we're as fortunate as we can be that we've got the foundations that Lou, Lou did help us build. And, and Lou's you know, videos and stuff are still on Go Green. And she is the absolute driving force of, like you said, the industry just as much as Go Green. So, yeah. It's, it's been nice. I think that's the right word, seeing the stuff coming out from Go Green recently because for obvious reasons, it was quite quiet on the public front. Uh, I know you were still doing stuff behind the scenes and, and, and we're the people that worked with you, but um, it's been nice seeing that that coming back and, and talking about what's coming up. And I know we've spoke a little bit recently about you know, you've, some of the projects you've got coming up, which I'm not going to ask you to disclose, by the way. But does it does it kind of feel good to be getting back in the saddle and, and excuse the pun, in, in the driving seat? It does. And do you know what? Something I always wanted to do um, that I spoke to Luke quite a lot about was putting myself more out there. Um, and, and I think actually, you know, I was speaking to you a little while ago about a video that I made, like the first ever video I did that I put up publicly, and. I, I never wanted to, I always wanted to, but I was always too too nervous to, too shy to, for many reasons. And Lou always wanted to push me to do more Zooms, to do more videos. Um, and then, this is probably going to sound awful, but then obviously she passed away and I was just thrown into the deep then. And it was like either you sink or you swim. And I could have had no choice then but to crack on. And in a in a weird and wonderful way, I, I know that... Uh, Lou would be up there pushing me to um, to crack on and to do these videos. So finding my confidence, finding my feet with the, the public front and, and being more of a face within the industry. I think people have often known my name in various places, but not necessarily the face, um, which there's nothing good to look at anyway. With us. Apart from the hair, the hair's okay on a good day. Um, but, um, but yeah. Um, and then you've got this dickhead dragging you on podcast two days in a row. Um, you know, uh, making you feel super comfortable. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to put you both on the spot now, actually, because you mentioned something there and, and you mentioned something previously about not wanting to do videos because of the way you, your parents, Chris, you jumped on that and said, Oh, it puts me off me doing videos sometimes. You are both incredibly handsome people. I, I am in awe of you both. Um, so there you go. Uh, but I want to, I want to switch gear. Oh, God, all the driving puns are coming out tonight. I want to switch gears a little bit because I want to come over to you, Chris, because. There's, there's lots of positive stuff coming out in terms of projects, I think. And we'll just mention Go Green. Obviously, Go Green's established, but it's a new lease of life almost. Um, and other, lots of other things around the industry, including the ADI walkback, which kicked on this year um, for the first time. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, for anyone that doesn't know, do you want to first explain what the ADI walkback is and then tell us a little bit about that that first one? And then I'll, I'll well, open the floor to you, Chris. Thank you. Um, so uh, ADI walkback is a mental health and physical health um, project for driving instructors, which makes it sound more deliberate and organised than it was. Um, I was sat around chatting with one of one of my colleagues, and uh, we meet on a Friday for a, a drop-in session, or at least I turn up and maybe someone else does, um, and that's what what it's there for. 
So he he said it'd be really nice to go out and you know walk the dog at the same time. Uh, so yeah, all right, we'll do it. And and then rather than just do it for us, we did it nationally and said let's do it because so many people thought it was a great idea. Um, and it recognised the uh, the the lack of FaceTime that we get with other instructors who understand what we do. Um, the the lack of opportunity to talk, um, or or not, you know, you, I, I think sometimes just being able to go and wander in silence with someone is is equally important if if that's what's right for you at the time. Um, you know, uh, getting out in nature. Apparently now the Zoomers call it earthing. Um, you know, going out and taking your shoes off and walking around in the woods. Um, they invented that one. So. Uh, so yeah, it it was just a really nice opportunity. So we we put the the idea out, um, and some awesome people got on with it, put posters up, um, and it's it's a grower. It's one that we just want to see continuing every second Tuesday. So the next one will be the twelfth of as much as I want to wind up Phil Cowley by saying the thirteenth because uh, he, he panicked, um, <laughs> the 12th of March. Um, and it depends on you locally. Isle of Wight never you know, wants to hold back. Um, they did two. So they did one in the morning and one in the evening. But they've got some lovely views, so it's all good. Um, and, uh, yeah, just to make sure that people could make it. So it's an opportunity to go out and, and connect um and if it's pouring with rain my recommendation is have it somewhere near a coffee shop uh so at least you can you can get a cup of coffee um but yeah it it was pouring with rain and they all walked i obviously didn't mention that bit previously um so yeah phil was out there out there doing it um stuart lockery got out there um say um emily uh in in the isle of wight um she she was out with a number of people um, whose whose names I don't I don't know and I should. Um, uh, there were there were a few others as well. Um, yeah, I, I I it was awesome and hopefully it will grow. Uh, slight issues getting posters on walls at test centres, uh, especially my local one, which is ironic because I know the uh, know the test centre manager really well. Um, so we're we're working on that and we're gonna have it all authorised and everything else. But as it might have been mentioned. There's a bit of a skeleton crew running at the DVSA, so finding the right person to talk to is not the easiest thing at the moment. Um, but yeah, so ADI walked back, which I was very proud of the name. It's nearly as good as the green room name, you know. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to get out there and, and just spend a bit of time once a month. I I do want to ask for your your thoughts on this uh, project, Laura, because I know you weren't super familiar with it, and then you know until you. I told you about it, but there's there's something I want to mention beforehand because you mentioned it's growing and you mentioned some other people that took part, but I, I get a little bit annoyed sometimes, and it's rare I get annoyed, but I do sometimes because I think back to when you launched this and the Facebook page you set up and, and then uh, the stuff you spoke about on social media, I know that you did a, one of my 12 Days of Christmas episodes and we put the clip up about the age I walked back on there. There were a lot of people giving that a lot of love that then did naff all about it. And this is where people turn off the podcast because all I do is is 
this is honest. There's no light. I didn't do it. Admittedly, mitigated circumstances for me on my way down to Swindon, but whatever. Um, but it's people love ideas until they actually have to put things into action. And that's what makes difference in people. That's what makes me want to have you two on this show because you have an idea and you go, oh, this is good. Let's action this. Now, you can't do everything. And yes, everyone's got mitigating circumstances for why they don't do things. But there are a lot of people that were giving that project a lot of love and still do give that idea I walk back a lot of love that then proceeded not to do anything about it. The same will happen for the road safety thing that I will talk about before. The same will happen for driving instructor day. The same will happen for when they do a stand when they've got a standards check. All of a sudden, I don't need training for four years. Oh crap, I've got a standards check. And it just annoys me a little bit. And I'm just curious, Chris, do you get that same annoyance or, or do you feel that what I'm talking about at least? Um, it there's definitely frustration. Um, but there's lots of stuff in life, isn't there? Um, it, some some bearded muppet who sat down at a coffee shop, you know, having a chat, decides to come up with this idea, and everyone should jump on board. Um, it, we've got stuff going on, and that's the whole reason for having it. So you know, it's it's not necessarily. I don't expect people to. But what I want is for the for the opportunity to be there. It's the same as me me doing my drop in for the for my driving school. Is I want to be there for the day that it's needed. Um, and and that's you know that that's the point because the the point is there's not always an opportunity. So be the opportunity. And if if you can do that, um, I'm I'm a reasonably active member on the dad's net which is like mum's net for dads but they don't like me saying that um every time i see someone on there that's struggling i will try to reach out and go if you want to talk here's my number um same thing with driving instructors um you know it just get in touch speak to someone it doesn't have to be me but me making that offer means that other people do or that that person realizes that there is someone there are people out there and they might not find me, but they find someone else. I've had people from all over the country phone me up randomly, never spoken to them again afterwards. But in that moment, it was important. And that's it. That's that's all good. So I'm I'm less bothered about if people do. What I'd like to say is, you know, it it's not a big commitment. Um, the posters are available on DITC website. Um, ask nicely at your test centre, and a lot of them are saying yes. Um, or if you've got a local WhatsApp group, shout about it on that, and then turn up and and be be there and be available, because then other people will do the same, and they might be it might be the other way around. It might be that they don't need you, but you might need them one day. Um, talk, talking about having children, um, I I remember when my eldest, who's now thirteen. Uh, came along and there were loads of driving instructors following the process um on on facebook uh and the number of instructors i didn't know that reached out and said do you need any work covered you know is everything all right um that, that's the community that i i love being part of uh and um referring back to to lou walsh that you know she she was a large part of uniting communities um, it's something that, you know, by default, starting a Facebook group in the early days happened and we celebrated the num you know, 50th member and now it's on 
10, 11,000. Um, the industry is so much better as a community as, than it used to be when I came into things. This is is just an extension of that. And there's lots of pockets. They, they don't have to do it under the banner of ADI Walkback. Um, you know, it, there's lots of pockets of that around the country. So it'd be awesome if if there were massive, you know, hordes of driving instructors once a month um, out in the woods, uh, you know, in a good way. Um, but, it, you know, if it's just an opportunity, if it helps one person, then, and I, I know it already has, um, if it helps one person, then that makes a big difference and awesome. Whenever anyone says bearded muppet, I always assume they're talking about me. Um, you, you haven't eased my concerns at all there, I'll be honest. I still, I'd still have the, it's just like stuff is out there and all we see online or 99% of what we see online, Facebook groups, primary example is people complaining. And there are so many resources and people create these resources such as you with the ADI walk back and people will still just complain and not take action. I think that's my big thing. Um, but let's put a pin in that. I don't want to get too negative on today because I want to. I want to move over to you, Laura. I want to, what are your thoughts on the, the ADI walk back from when you first heard of it? You know, I when I when I first heard of it, I wasn't quite sure. And like I came to Terry and um, kind of asked what it was about, and I love the idea. And you said something, Chris, there that um, resonated with me. It was about you doing like a drop-in for your driving school. And something we do, because locally we've got a, a driving school of about eight instructors and all of them know that I'm absolutely here. Like, you know, I always say to them, don't call me, but if you need me, you call me. And the only times they've ever called me is when something serious has happened. Um, and I'm talking about really serious stuff, car accidents. Um, there was something really bad that happened with one of my instructors last week and, and she called and you know, I know when they call me, they need me. And something which sounds similar to what you did, Chris. Um, so every two weeks, um, we used to have like a monthly coffee catch-up sort of thing. But trying to get eight instructors in one place at one time, like now. So now what I do is I just tell them two days a month where I'm particularly going to sit at Costa waiting for you. If you turn up, great. If you don't, then I get a Costa anyway. So, you know, jobs are good. So I... I, I like the idea and it's something actually I've never thought about opening up to the wider community of Peterborough where I live. So, you know, the idea of actually getting people together and doing that, I love it. And like you say, if it only helps one person, you can't complain. So I like that. I do really like it. I'm going to do it. I don't know about the walking thing. That just puts me off, but maybe just a costa, you know, happy with a costa. <laughs> We, we we did say that you know if you've got people that are interested that can't can't aren't as mobile, see how you can build it in. So either they can do a small small part of the walk, or you know a walk that would suit them, or tell them where you're going to be, and they can come for the coffee afterwards. You know, it, it's just about about trying to have opportunity because that's all of the successes in the world are where opportunities lined up with someone trying to do something and and you know it uh yeah i just as a as a add-on to what terry was saying i I think you actually um i'm touched on on where i see it differently is if it was people moaning about it then i'd have an issue you know people verbally supporting it that's great they know it exists so um yeah i i haven't seen any and i don't want to know any but people are, you know, going. Here he goes again. 
Um, so, but, uh, yeah, if it makes the world a better place. So for the premium members that are currently watching, if you want to complain about Chris or the ADI walkback, jump in the chat now. Perfect opportunity to offer him that feedback. There's a text limit. <laughs> I think... I think for me, it's what you both said there. I think you both used the word opportunity, and I think that's ideal. Because um, and this is a good thing. I look at our industry now. There isn't a single. Well, I don't think there's anything that driving instructors or PDIs could want. It's all there. You know, you you could train yourself to become an instructor without never without ever sitting in the car of anyone with the level of content that's on there from a massive variety of people. We've got all these different associations. We've got different trainers that are willing to give up their time. I know both of you, if someone got in touch and said, could I have a bit of a chat? You wouldn't say no. You'd say, yeah, okay. And then obviously there's the opportunity to go further with that. And, you know, there's just something is available for everyone. So I think what you're saying about opportunities is key. I think it's the idea of taking action. I think I get frustrated because I want more people to take action. I want the people that look at the ADI walk back and go, that's a really good idea to go, now I'm going to do it. And I do get frustrated with that because those same people will then be moaning that something isn't available. Or, and I know you won't do this, Chris, but for example, if if it wasn't successful over six months and you want to know what, right, I'm scrapping it, people then moan that there's no ADI walkback. That's where the moaning would come in. And it's I think that's where I get frustrated. And that, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too negative because I think it's great that it's there. I'm a big fan. I will be doing it this month. I've we're putting out to my local association and, and see if I'm still allowed in the Facebook group. <laughs> I think twice I've been kicked out now. Um, and we'll go from there. But I will and just going back to what you're saying about the earthing aspect, I do that pretty much every day. Uh, and I've been doing that for years. It works a treat and helps with sleep. If you struggle with sleep, get your feet on the grass, makes a difference. Um Oh, there you go. We've got complaints, Chris, uh, for you. Um, you got very wet, apparently. That is your fault. <laughs> there were there were some some very dripping wet individuals by the end of it. So um, so yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to tie this in a little bit to the to the road safety sector. I kind of I touched on this a little bit before talking about season seven, and I'm not going to go into too much detail this. But for anyone that isn't aware, I've started a new project called Driving Instructors to Vision Zero. Uh, and I'm a big fan of that name, Driving Instructors to Vision Zero. The idea is that we're bridging the gap between instructors and the road safety sector. And I will hold my hands up and admit that I have not done enough to incorporate the road safety sector in what I do as an instructor in, in any capacity previously, other than sharing the occasional, instead of sharing the blue lights video from Jem, that's the one that everyone shares, but I've not done anything else. And... I know that when I've spoke to you about this, Laura, you've said somewhat similar that you haven't really embraced that road safety sector. So why? Why do you think you haven't? Why do you think as instructors we don't? Why do you think we just leave it over there and we just crack on ourselves? You know what? I think I know we've got the honest truth who who do work with with instructors and have a, I think they have an ADI course and what they offer now is very different to what they offered a few years ago when I um originally used them. But I I suppose I kind of feel like I feel maybe there is something out there that I'm, I'm not aware of, but I feel like there's not enough resources to get instructors involved. And like, uh, does that make sense? I feel like there's a lot of information out there about road safety, 
but where's the gap like you say which is is where you're going to come in um but um i feel like there's a lack of resources maybe out there um and maybe there's things out there that i'm not aware of i know we've got the honest truth but uh i don't know is the honest answer (laughs) i think that what you've said there is key you don't know what's out there because they don't create it for us and they don't showcase it to us i don't know that again i'll go back on my little hobby horse instructors don't look for it you know i saw a post recently by andrew love uh last year actually by andrew love talking about going to the road safety gb conference and saying that no instructors were there and the first comment was why should we go you know they don't listen to us i think that's part of the problem why would the road safety sector come to us when that's the response they're getting when I've reached out to them now, it's been really interesting. Some of the feedback I've got, some of which I can't repeat for good and bad reasons. Um, but again, you also mentioned there about there being a lot of information. And I know that's something you've touched on before, Chris, the idea of there being a lot of information, but not necessarily knowing how to use it. Do you think that's part of the problem? I think if there are more resources or ways to put that into lessons, because again, you know, instructors can be be a little bit lazy or it's knowing where to find the right information. And it's then if you don't have the natural ability to do so, it's like, how do you put it into lessons? Um, and I think instructors struggle with that. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is something I've come up against already with people telling me why you're bothering doing this because it's not going to go anywhere. It's like, well, watch me. You know, I'm still going to try. Chris, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this potentially? Why, I suppose, from the instructor's point of view, because we can't really talk from the road safety inspector's perspective, but it's... It's often not what we do, and uh, we're very much in the moment. You know, um, the road safety initiatives tend to focus on the the past and the future, and we're in between that. So we're a really natural um, bedfellow to to road safety because it's what we what we do. We we you know we stop people from being dangerous to a level. But I don't I don't think we're doing the same thing. And I don't I think there's loads and loads of resources, tons of evidence and facts and and until now there hasn't really been anything that is is a practical thing. It's something I hear from a lot of instructors who go on training courses and they go, Brilliant. I know that uh th- that information now. And, I, and I've been there. I've I've done this. You sit there. You go. I've got I've got a whole book of notes. You know. I've I've got all that information. What do I do? <laughs> where where? How does that turn into into actually a practical use? And it often doesn't. It makes you more informed. It makes you understand more of of what's going on. But does it change how you teach someone to drive? Probably not. We're now moving to behavioural change areas much more, which isn't anything new, um, and it it just means that we're, it's becoming more commonplace. We're getting those ideas. We're moving away from the instructional side of things even more uh, towards um, dealing with human beings and psychology and that side of things. That will make a difference, but it won't change. It's we're not doing it as something different necessarily we're still working to the same goal which is to create a good driver which is an in the present and i i think there's that that's the the big thing for me is that they they just they line up 
but they don't connect with each other. Um, we we can see how how badly we did it last time, and we can hope that we're going to do it better next time. But there's there's something missing, and I don't I don't exactly know what that is. Um, I I look forward to to finding out you know from people who are far more qualified than I in behavioural science and and that kind of thing. If there's ways to change it, the the other problem is sometimes they're really really simple things. And we don't connect it with the people that stand there for road safety. They're, they're little changes, and we, we don't we don't join the dots. Um, the uh, the World Bank report from a good few years ago now that um, did a study of shouting out the window at bad drivers in in a country, and it changed the number of road fatalities hugely because it was about peer pressure and about what was acceptable. And we do lots of those things. Our attitudes towards cyclists is a, is a good example. Um, it you know we still often get annoyed, but it tends to be we get annoyed at the bad cyclists. And I think there's more good cyclists out there. Uh, we have a better understanding of them. So I think a lot of those those factors come into play that it just doesn't quite join the dots. So I look forward to you facilitating us getting more information that's relevant and is in our language. What I what I really look forward to is uh, someone, and, and you know, I'm not saying it won't be you, Terry, um, who can give us the practical. Now go and do this. Um, and I I've signed up to the free course on teaching older drivers, whatever the official title is, uh, from Road Safety GB. Uh, it's on the DITC Facebook page. If anyone wants to find a link, there's more and more courses being released. So if it says fully booked, just go back later. Um, and I'm looking forward to that's behavioural based. So I'm looking forward to a bit more of that. Yeah, we may be on the same course with that, Chris. But yeah, um, I think the key thing you said there was about uh, the road safety se- sector looking to the future. And I think back 22, 23 years ago, that's when I learned to drive, and I can remember my driving instructor saying to me, uh, I don't just teach you safe driving. I don't teach you to pass a test. I teach you safe driving for life. This was 20-plus years ago, and I thought, no. And I think back, it's like, no, you don't. No, you didn't. You taught me how to pass a test. And I think we are becoming more that way as instructors. You know, anyone that hasn't, and I'm looking at both of you right now, go and check out the Project Edward podcast that was on recently because I went into this in a bit more detail there. And it's we are evolving as an industry. I think that we are starting to look more to the future. I think that we are looking at, right, how are these people going to be after test? How are they going to drive in 10 years as opposed to how are they driving now? And I think that that's where there's a, a crack in the door open, if you like, where we can just open a little bit and start embracing some of this stuff. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun challenge. But I will just mention actually that that's a step in the right direction. The fact that the Project Edward podcast, and for those that don't know, Project Edward is every day without a road death. It's a road safety campaign. Um, they're reaching out to, well, in this instance, me, obviously, but they're reaching out to instructors to come on and talk on this platform, the platform where they've had like police constables and um, I forgot what they call them. What do you call the people that do the, you know, the postmortems? Um, those people. Anyway, you know, people from Brick and all this kind of stuff. It's like they're reaching out to instructors because they want our opinion. You know, I've recently been asked to uh, write something for Road Peace for uh, Driving Instructor Day, which we'll touch on in a second. And it's like, this is Road Peace. 
that have spotted driving instructor days out there and they want to embrace instructors a bit more. So it's coming from their side. And I do think that gap can be bridged. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be fun. I think in a lot of ways, but so yeah, I don't want to dwell on that too much, uh, but go and check out driving instructors to vision zero at the minute. The only real place is the Facebook page, but it is a slow burner, but it will be a big burner. Uh, and I mentioned driving instructor today, and I want to mention this briefly because it is on March the 16th, the day before season seven releases. So make sure that you are having to think about how you are going to celebrate driving instructor day because it is the greatest day of the year, clearly. Second only to my birthday, obviously. Um, but the great second greatest day of the year, and it's just an opportunity to celebrate and be positive about our industry and what we offer, because there's a lot of negativity on it. And I want to take this opportunity to give a little shout-out to Stefan, uh, Stefan Plus, who is from Switzerland, who has helped me make it International Driving Shutter Day, which is now celebrated in Switzerland and Germany and America and Australia. So that's quite cool. And uh, Stefan Stefan has asked a little question here, which has amused me. Good question, but amused me because Stefan is from Switzerland and he's asked, do driving instructor associations in the UK influence politics? Really short answer, no. Um, they might want to, but no, they don't. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I disagree. I, I think there's a lot of work we, that goes on behind the scenes and um, there is an, an influence. It's just not a very big one. Um, Politically? Yes, yeah. So this is the stuff that you don't hear about. Of the, um, I I know from spending time with Carly at the DIA, the 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 panels that they sit in on, um, they it it's dripped in there. It's just really you know it, it's a very small drop in a very big ocean. Um, but I do think there is some influence in there. I, well, I, I, yeah. I was going to say they try and influence it, but I will heed to your your better judgment and knowledge. Uh, Chris, how are you celebrating driving this today? Have you got any plans um, yet? It's the, the 16th of March, isn't it? So uh, I will probably be at the Dyslexia show at the NEC, and I, I will... Um, I'm hoping, because I'm waiting to hear from them, um, Kevin Tracy might be going to the Dyslexia show. Um, so uh, um, so I might even get to meet up with them and, and have a chat. So, yes, if, if not, then uh, it's not far from some other instructors that I know, so I'll probably meet up with them at the same time. So that, that's my plan, is to go and visit the Dyslexia show and uh, uh, ce celebrate the fact that there's probably no driving instructors in that room either. Um, more specifically, how will you be celebrating at 7.30pm that evening? Oh, on that evening, yes. You, you, you've, you, you want, want me to do something with you, don't you? Yes, uh, on March 16th, we are recording a live edition of the 6 for 60. I really hope I've got the date right. Uh, we have recording a live edition of the 6 for 60, uh, and that's going to be broadcast onto Facebook Live, um, and you are you know, part of that, Chris, and we're involved in the discussion of when it will take place and yes. therefore being there. Uh, Laura, how do you think you might celebrate Driving Instructor Day? Other than watching the 6 for 60 Live, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Um, do you know, I was thinking about that when, when you asked Chris, and I was thinking about the whole ADI walk back, and I was thinking about the instructor community, and do you know what? I think I might go to Costa, because obviously Costa, and I might just put it on Facebook and just see if anyone wants to join me. And I think Costa, you can never complain if you have a Costa. So I'll be happy. I'll be chilling. And if anyone wants to join me at Costa, then 
Copy that. In peace. Do you like Costa? Not tribal thing. Huh? Do you like Costa? Just. Just. <laughs> <laughs> so you will find me in Peterborough at Costa through the day and then on Facebook Live in the evening. March 16th, put it in your diaries and plan something and share it on social media. And if you include the hashtag probably driving instructor day, don't not probably include the hashtag driving instructor day, I will share it on that page and it will be shared. Uh, and hopefully we get some uh, some people sharing stuff across the states and Australia and in, in Switzerland definitely as well. Um, so again, big shout out to Stefan there for what he's doing with that. But I want to move on to the PDI part two and part three test problem. I don't work a lot with PDIs, not at least not in a one-to-one capacity training them and stuff. Obviously, I have people in the premium group, and there are people that come to me for little bits and bobs of assistance, but this isn't my forte, and I don't think I realized how big of a problem it is. So I'm going to come to you first, Chris, to ask you about the waiting times. Tell me about the waiting times for part two and part three. I'm not sure it qualifies as a waiting time anymore. <laughs> Just there isn't any. Yeah, um, you there's there's it's a it's just a broken system, and um, you know I I I think Laura's probably a better one to answer this because she deals with more PDIs across a wider area than I often do. But um, I the fact that the um, ADI examiners have been moved away from the you know or moved to the front line, there's they're not doing the actual job. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you, you can't get one and it's not just that it's so much bigger. So we get to the beginning of the process. People have invested a lot of money in a time limited process. So they, they've purchased a product that is only valid for a, we'll call it a two year period. They've got to get everything done inside of that time limit. Um, you know, the the tests need to be in there. You get three attempts at part two. You get three attempts at part three. Hopefully, they only put, only need one at each, but it doesn't work that way. So we need to have allowed time for that to happen because it's unfair otherwise. And you then get additional stress. So if you're going to the test, we know this with learners going for the test, knowing that there's going to be a six month wait is bad enough. Going for the test, knowing there's going to be a six-month wait and you've only got six months, and if you fail that one, you're not going to get another one. If you do, because the DVSA quite rightly will say it's okay as long as you've got it booked. Good luck. Um, but you, it's okay as long as you get it booked. But you can't work then. Your 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 badge you know, is going to have expired. Um, you have to pay out of your pocket for another one if you get another one. And that that might be outside the window of opportunity of your your um part one certificate well then you're scuppered anyway so the whole system is broken and i want to know at what point is there going to be a legal case in which people are mis-selling and it's not going to be their fault it's going to be the availability from the dvsa that they're selling a product that cannot be delivered because there's no there's not enough tests there 
um and it's regionally specific and you know it it, it depends where you are it's not like the the old test where you know at worst case they have to retake the theory they've got to start over and as much as there's some amazing trainers out there we can't and they can't afford to work for nothing so we're businesses and we have to have a commercial model to respond to to them coming back to us needing help and we will bend over backwards and do as much as we can but there's only so much you can do and where's the problem 100% dvsa um and what's now happening is we we we're losing adi examiners which were adi enforcement and you know a name change that no one really knew about um so we're we're losing them uh and you have to have been doing the examiner job for a certain amount of time to get that job we've got no one really coming through who wants it i don't blame them um because it i think it's it's a really specific job uh you know i think some some trainers would absolutely love it but we wouldn't qualify because we've got to have been doing the examiner job for a bit longer. And they probably, because of the way that they select who gets the examiner jobs, probably wouldn't have us in the first place. Don't you think, Laura? Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Um, do you know what? Something you said there about the the senior examiner's enforcement officers. Um, our, our enforcement officer, he's retiring, and a new guy came in for a little bit and um, worked alongside him for a little bit to be ready to take over that role and within three months have left didn't like it and then it's just we, like so we're constantly losing examiners senior examiners or enforcement officers whatever they're called this week um but um yeah i totally agree there's such a wide problem and i could talk about it for a long time as well <laughs> so yeah it's pretty horrific it's yeah it's the industry basis Sorry, I'm talking over you there, Chris. But this is the your first appearance on the podcast, Laura, and and you'll you're probably seeing that when I ask Chris a question, he answers my next free as well. So um, let's move on to uh, does pineapple belong on a pizza? No. Um, <laughs> what what impact? Because you you work largely with with PDIs. What impact is this having on them? Like, because I, I can only imagine. Like, I think back to when I qualified, it was nice. It was seamless. You know, turn up, do my test, fail the first one, book another, pass it, got me a little extension, pass it, off I go. What, what impact is it having on them? I think, like you said, uh, Chris, the, the stress of it is a massive thing for PDIs. And especially if they're in a, a large franchise, shall we say, one of the, the big schools, um, the contract of being with them means you have to appeal your pink license. You have to apply for another one. You have to appeal that and at that point pdis just want to stop they want to give up they, they don't want to and actually i've had pdis come to me and say it's quite um quite interesting when you get a message like this pdis say tell me how to fail because the only way i can get out of my contract is to fail three times so tell me how to fail my part i'm just saying that just goes against the logic in my mind but i get where they're coming from because they don't want to be in that contract and their franchise contract says that they have to appeal their pink licenses. They have to keep going. And by not doing so, they're breaching their contract. They will get a nice big bill at the end of it for their franchise fees and car and everything else. So, you know, the, the stress of PDIs who are in the process at the moment is huge. 
Um, and not to mention external factors like my my best mate has just qualified and he was being made redundant. It was either he qualifies or he's in a lot of trouble from a personal point of view as much as um, training. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually really fortunate. This week and last week, I've met up with four different brand new PDIs. We're talking just doing DBS, not even booked a part one. And I feel so fortunate and lucky to be able to say, don't book your part one yet. By all means, do your part one and two training. Don't do your part one because like I said, as soon as you pass your part one, that clock is ticking. Don't waste that time. You know, book your part one when you are ready for your part two so that you can get a test date as soon as possible. You can do your part three training whenever, as long as it's in six months if you're going to do a pink license. Um, but I'm, I'm really fortunate to be in contact with some, some local PDIs um, who I've met up with even today, tomorrow as well, and last week where I can give that advice, where I can say, please just don't do your part one just yet. But I really feel for the PDIs who are in the process at the moment, who have been stuck in the middle of it. And what what can you do? You know, like I say, the problem lies so much further up there. And we can only give the advice we can in terms of trying to make the most of the time you've got and make the most of your training at the moment. And just, you know, a lot of the work. So we've got the PDI group. I'm not sure if people are aware. It's a group for PDIs, no matter who you're training with, whether we'll support you, just for PDIs in that group. Um, and so much of the work in there and the questions being asked is about how do I apply for another pink license? How do I appeal this? How do I extend this? And, you know, how do I get a, a date? How do I get a, a part two or three dates? And I, I really feel for these guys. I really do. because. There's only so much we can do on this level. Is there a way to get a date or is it just there's nothing available? So you take what's on offer if anything comes on offer. Yeah, there's several options. Some PDIs talk about getting a test date in another area. So you can go to another area. Part two, that might not be such a problem. You know, technically you can drive anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. If it's me, I can't lead. No. Would never do my part two leave. <laughs> <laughs> never doing that. But um, you know, part three, you know, you've got to know your area, you've got to know how you can adapt a route, you've got to know your timings. And if you're doing a test in an area you don't know, that's a big challenge. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a challenge and it's got to be thought carefully about. Um you, you can also book a test on hold. So I kind of describe it like booking an invisible test. You get a test reference, you, you book a test, you pay for it, you just don't get a date. Um, and then the DVSA contacts you when they have a date and you'll be waiting 8, 12, 16 weeks until you get a test date. Um, I know Loveday's blog, I think, mentioned about they're aiming to have more tests from April. Um how likely that will be i don't know and again pdis are saying when will i get a date how long are people wasting it depends on your area it depends on your local you know senior enforcement officers and it depends on so many factors um and it also depends on who's above you in that sort of list as well um and also it depends on your previous failed attempts because if you failed for a risk management point of view before you're you're they're going to want you sooner um but what can you do? I'm, I'm intrigued with a point you made about, you know, suggesting that PDIs focus on the part one, not book it straight away, actually look at the training aspect. Because, you know, we see a lot of PDIs taking the same approach as learners, as in, we'll just get the theory out of the way and then we'll crack on. So whilst this, obviously the, the problem with tests is it can't be a good thing, 
are you noticing they're actually taking that on board and putting a bit more time into the the the, the fair one, the part one aspect of it? I I would like to say the PDIs I'm in close contact with, especially locally, yes, but that's because those PDIs have been recommended to me through instructors, colleagues locally, friends, family members from from instructors locally. People who know me and they're saying, well, go to this person first. Don't do anything until you've spoken to, to this person. But then the problem is on the PDI group, people only find the PDI group when they're partway through their training. They only find the PDI group once they've already done their part one. Um, and admittedly, there has been a bit of an influx in brand new PDIs coming into the group that are just doing their part one. And actually, I think that is probably going to be a bit of a conversation to have with the PDI group about their options and what they can you know, and should do. But um, by the time we get them um, in the PDI groups, they're often already in the process too late. So, and then just about making the most of what you can. And even just little things like PDIs, knowing that you can start your part three training before you've even done your part two. Little things like that that seem obvious to, to us guys who maybe do train PDIs or, or have been instructors a long time. PDIs at that stage, they don't know this sort of stuff. And if we don't tell them, who does? I mean, we, we spoke a little bit before about mental health. We spoke about the ADI walk back, but I, I can even just think for for yourself or people like yourself, the trainers the, that work closely with PDIs, how difficult and how stressful is it for you dealing with that every day? You know, those people, those careers and livelihoods and finances and jobs and all that is, is literally on the line because there is no test available. How do you manage that? I think... When I started as a, a sort of instructor trainer, I remember saying to Lou, I feel like there is such a responsibility on me. And this was like six years ago. And um, so without all of these issues, and I said, I feel like there's such a responsibility on me. These these people are putting their lives in my hands to help them qualify. This is a career. And now I feel like that pressure is just doubled. And especially when you've got a, a PDR on their third attempt or they're on their second attempt, but it's their last attempt because their part, part one is expiring. And all of these sort of factors, and you know you've got to do your damn best, and you, you you really have to try and pull out all the stops. But then I also feel like I'm at a point where I I know that I can't help everyone as much as I want to, and I think that's also I'm not going to sit here and plug Go Green, but I think that's what I like about Go Green is that that takes off a bit of the pressure because people can go and do that in their own time. They can put the effort in in there as well. Um, but I, I really do feel that that pressure and that responsibility because I'm not only, a bit like driving instructors generally. We're not only dealing with teaching people how to drive or become an instructor. We're dealing with the mental health side of it. So quite often I'm talking to PDIs who are actually just sitting there telling me their life story, telling me how stressed they are, telling me how they're signed up sick or they can't work or they've got other financial pressures and then family problems and, and all of this. And that that's tough. It does take its toll. And I think. From a trainer's point of view, I manage that and I'll talk to people. I've ranted at you a few times and I'm probably ranted at Chris at some point as well. In fact, actually, I might start annoying Chris for a little bit. I'll give you a break, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think from a trainer's point of view, I think it's just as vital that us trainers have support with, amongst each other um, as much as the PDIs have that support amongst each other. Um, it's important. Really. I mean, you, you said that you're not, you don't want to plug Go Green. No, I've, I've never been a member of the... Um uh the go green pdi group um but a lot of people tell me about it 
you know, and I've never heard anything bad about it. I get a lot, you know, there's PDIs in my premium membership and that listen to the podcast that come along and say how big of a fan they are of it. So, I mean, admittedly, you're a bit biased, but would you recommend PDIs go there for that that good information and that support and somewhere to almost rant a little bit? Do you know what? I think if PDIs want to just rant and want support, then Lou's PDI group is there. So a bit of background on that quickly. So Lou's PDI group was set up by Lou um, six or seven years ago. Um, and it was a place for Lou to have all the PDIs. So instead of getting 100 messages a day, there was all in the group. They could support each other. She could apply in one place. It backfired on her because then a couple of years later, she had 2,000 members and she was getting twice as many messages a day because everyone just then knew her name even more and um, whatnot. But the PDI group is a, a really good place of support amongst PDIs. Um, from a training point of view, I always tell PDIs, you know, I know I'm biased, but not in a big-headed way, but I know Go Green is good. And it has all the information you need to go from part one through to part two and through part three. Um, it's just, it's incredible. It suits so many people in different ways and you can use it in so many different ways. So whether you're just starting out on your journey, whether you're halfway through your journey, whether you're just looking for something different to do or looking for a different viewpoint or you need extra training, you're filling in the missing gaps, that's what Go Green does. And, you know, it, it's useful to make the most of your time because a lot about what we wanted the vision of Go Green to be was somewhere that PDIs could get the information and put things into practice. So we'll often give you tasks to go and do, things to go and actually do in the car to make the most of your own training, um, to avoid the financial pressure of having to pay a trainer to sit in a car and tell you these things. Um, don't get me wrong, there are definitely some elements that a trainer is useful. I would not recommend practicing emergency stops by yourself you know and that sort of thing wouldn't do it but you know we we try and we just want people to make the most of their training and more self-sufficient people can be the better with support obviously but the more you can do for yourself the, the better because you're building your own career and that could be the difference between you qualifying and not so so i'm i love our industry I love so much about it. I'm, I'm ridiculously positive despite what I come across sometimes. And I had someone recently ask me about becoming a, an instructor. And I did what I normally do, which is go on a 10-minute ramble about how awesome it is. Then remember, oh, crap, I've got to tell them the bad stuff as well and explain some of the bad stuff. But then I kind of had a moment where I paused. And I didn't say this, but I just wanted to say, actually, don't bother because it's going to be five years before you can qualify. I was wondering... You know, if someone came to you and said, I'm thinking about coming a driving instructor, would you have that? I'm not saying would you do it, but would you have that inclination to say, don't bother? I don't think I have the inclination of saying don't bother, but I I think, like you said, I'm definitely telling them the bad point. So I'm definitely saying this is what's wrong with the industry at the moment. This is what your problem you're going to face in your training. If you're happy to accept that, there you go. Um yeah, I don't think I'd definitely don't bother, but I would, I like you say, I would definitely be pointing out the the pros and the cons, and I'm not going to hold back from that. I think I also just want to ask you because you mentioned about the idea of uh, using more time for your theory before booking your part one and stuff, but I'm just wondering, you know, if anyone is stuck waiting for a test, how can they make the most of that time? Whether they're waiting for a first test, second test, whatever, how can they make the most of that time? So many things. Um, 
So Go Green is, is something that people can use uh, and you can sign up monthly for that. So you can just use it for one month if you wanted to. I think other things you could do is talk to other PDIs, buddy up. Uh, and a bit like Chris's idea of the ADI walkback, make your own PDI walkback, make your own PDI thing. I know the ADI walkback is, is for everyone, but um, make your own PDI support group locally. Get together, share experiences, observe each other's lessons, record your own lessons, review them. Um, we have uh, PDIs regularly recording their own lessons uh, in the PDI group and sending them to us uh, for us to watch them, to give them feedback. Um, just making the most of your training, just keep doing stuff. Don't fall into that sort of rut of thinking, I can't get a test. I might as well just not do any training for now. Um, just keep doing something, whether it's listening to your podcasts, whether it's, you know, just finding some CPD to do, even if it's something really random, just anything to keep your brain active, anything to keep those skills up. Because if the DVSA suddenly email you and say, we've got you a test next week, you don't want to be in that position. You want to be as ready as you can be. Um, so keeping those skills up is is vital. I like it. Uh, Chris, I'm going to move over to you. Is there anything you want to add on to that regarding this this situation? I think awesome advice. Um, and it reflects the problem we have with learner drivers in that we're trying to convince them that it's about you know the the optimum safety and the optimum everything else but they get very test focused because instructors get test focused as well um and the same thing happens in the process it's all about the test and it's all about doing that and then the training ends up not covering enough of the other stuff you're not going into uh, a a part three industry where you're just doing that part three thing all the time and you need to know more you you need to know the bigger picture um and very very few of the um the trainers out there are delivering the bigger picture because you can't afford to because it's focused on the the 40 hours the you know the the 20 hours on a pink all or those, those minimum criteria that's the what's sold that's standard so even if you said you wanted to do you know you said you wanted to do double that most people would look at you and go elsewhere so you know my my you know adding on to what laura said i would say Go and become the best instructor you can be. Go and look at the others. While you've got that 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 time, it's not a luxury because it's a bloody inconvenience, but go and make use of that. Um, go and explore stuff because now is the best time to be becoming a driving instructor because there's so many amazing trainers giving stuff away. Um, number one thing to do would be, in my opinion, sign up to the Instructor Podcast. Because if you want to know what's available in the industry, Terry's an absolute man whore. Do you know what, actually? I um, asked Terry the other day. I said, Terry, you must have somewhere just a list of all the events happening this year because I feel like I'm I'm so busy with various things at the moment. I said, Terry, you must have a list of something somewhere and straight away I had a link. He had everything written down. I was like, cheers. <laughs> so yeah, Terry knows his stuff. <laughs> I think I've uh, found my clips from what the show. Um, as Guy McMillan just said, there's Terry's tagline. Um, 
<laughs> Terry, you're a man half, Laura. Yes, I agree. Excellent. <laughs> um, it's a question for you, Chris. And, and uh, you know, you can chime in with this, Laura, as well, actually, because I'd be interested because it's not something I'd thought about. Is there anything ADIs can do? And I'm not talking about trainers, like box standard ADIs, me. <laughs> you're like Terry the Manhart ADI that we can do to support PDIs stop perpetuating the myths um, don't go and do revise what you haven't learned yet for your part one um, do understand it it's not good enough to just pass the test until the DVSA switch part one and part two round, which is what I think they should do, because uh, it makes far more sense. Um, you know, do it as best you can, which is why, as, as Laura was saying, doing part one, part two training all at the same time and, and then getting the tests out of the way later on makes more sense. Um, you know, I, th I think there's a lot of those, those kind of factors where, you know, w we make the world a worse place. Um, driving instructors tend to hate the 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 route that they came through which is often big franchise because of all the negatives it doesn't mean it's the wrong thing for people you've just got to go into it with your eyes open uh, so as instructors tell everybody to read the contract don't tell them not to sign it not to do it tell them to read the contract because then they'll see if it's right for them tell them to actually you know, become a good driving instructor and say, come and sit in the back of my car and, you know, invite them into things that way. There's a little bit of me as a trainer that screams, no, please don't, because, you know, it might make my life harder. But actually, we know from learners, experience is a good thing, that people will teach themselves, they'll learn themselves. So, you know, give them that that positive opportunity to go and do more. You know, ask them questions. Don't just talk at them. The same stuff you do with your learner. Because, you know, you don't even have to be an ADI to be an ADI trainer. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you say just ADIs might be better qualified than some of the trainers out there. Uh, so, you know, let, let's try and get it right. And, uh, you know, I, I would... I. For obvious reasons, I would start with the part one because um, I'm obsessed. Anything to add with that, Laura? Do you think? I like that, and, and you know, Chris, that's something I, I say to a lot of PDIs is like, you know, you might decide a big franchise is for you because it is right for some people, but you've got to make an informed decision. You've got to know what you're getting yourself into, and if you're happy with that and it works for you, go and do it. Um, I think in terms of uh, what ADIs can do, I think be there. Be that support, you know, be it a listening ear, be it a costa or obviously costa. Um, whether it's like Chris says about getting PDIs in the back of your lessons or even sitting in the back of PDIs lessons. So, you know, swapping around, um, just offering any support you can. It doesn't have to be much. PDIs at the moment, the stress, they just want you to listen. They just want someone to understand what they're going through. I think the instructor community is a very lonely job. As much as we see people every day, we sit next to the learners, we've got to be professional in that sense, but actually we wave at colleagues on the road, um, but it is a lonely job. And that's why I like the idea of the ADI walk back because it's creating that community. And if you can just reach out to a couple of PDIs and just offer support, even just talking to each other at Test Centre, I think at the moment, 
right now, PDIs just want to be heard. Speaking of community, congratulations on winning the Community of the Award, Community of the Year recently, of which uh, I came second, so, you know, whatever, screw you. Um, you don't sound bitter at all. <laughs> the, the, the one thing I will chip in with that, actually, is if you were answering a question on Facebook, only answer if you are certain of the answer. Do not think, oh, well, I think it was this thing, or I once heard someone say this in a coffee shop one time, Costa, whatever, and then put that as the answer, because you're possibly wrong and giving out misinformation. A little shout-out to Mick Knowles, who seems to be on a one-man crusade to correct every single comment on Facebook, <laughs> and that's meant in a, a nice compliment. It's, it's a great job that he's doing, but you see it so often. Someone hears something that they don't know is correct, but they've heard it, so assume it's correct and put it up. I think of it as like a roundabout. You're not going to pull out a roundabout if you don't know it's safe, if you don't know it's 100% safe. So do not put an answer down on a Facebook if you do not know if it's 100% correct. Speaking of questions and answers, let's move on, because uh, one little feature we're going to bring into the green room going forward is we're going to take a listener question every episode uh, so i put the shout out in my facebook group and we got some cracking questions come up and i have chosen one from nicola krebin uh, who once drove past me there you go um so here's a question if you could delete or change a rule in the highway code what would it be I was asked this question by my son and it had me stumped for a while as the highway code is there for our safety however after a recent trip to America, I quite like the flashing red traffic lights, a bit like flashed amber on pedestrian crossings. Uh, although, given the standard of driving in, uh, given the standard of driving, some in this country, it could end in carnage. So, what highway code would you delete or change? We'll go with you first, Laura. Anyway, you asked me this before uh, this um, this uh, episode, and I, I. It's sort of better for quite a while because I I don't know. I think there are many good rules in there and I think there's also some pretty bad rules in there or rules that just don't make sense or rules that could be changed, worded differently or little bits that could be added. Um, but um, I think for me, over the weekend, I've been out on my motorbike and there is a whole section in the highway code for motorcyclists to... Think about car drivers, if you like. And I kind of, it kind of got me thinking, where's the bit in the highway code that is a section for car drivers to look out for the bikes? And I had several incidents over the weekend, nothing major, but just little bits where I thought that could have been avoided if a car driver had just looked. And then funnily enough, it was actually a learner nearly took me out at one point. And I know they're learning and whatever, that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. But it, it just made me think, actually, there's a whole section dedicated to bikes telling you how to position, where to be looking, who to be looking for, what you should be doing. Where's the bit that says to car drivers, this is what motorbikes are like. This is what they're going to be, how they're feeling. Because I always had a, a respect for motorbikes and, and motorcyclists. Um, I had an appreciation for them. And then I got on a motorbike and started riding um, about three years ago, four years ago. And I then realized how vulnerable you are on a motorbike. Now, don't get me wrong. I love riding my bike. But it got me really thinking about how much information is there really for, I know this isn't specific. It's not one rule. I'm, I'm going to change the whole highway code here. But um, how specific is there like, to, to advice for car drivers to 
just be a little bit more aware of how bikes might react, how they might position, why they might do certain things. It's little things like when I'm filtering through traffic safely and and doing it in a safest way as I possibly can because car drivers sometimes try and block you from doing that. Some people believe it's illegal. And actually, you know, I'd rather be going through the traffic than sat between two cars because if I get hit, I'm squished very much so little things like that that i don't think car drivers are aware of and i i would like to see more of that um, i'm not going to sit here and say all oh, motorcyclists are great because i know that motorcyclists sometimes have a reputation for, for the way they ride and same with car drivers to be fair it works both ways but um i i would like to see more consideration um the other way around i, think. <laughs> I like it um Although I can't help but be slightly amused to the idea of you texting me saying I can't make it to the podcast because I've been hit by a learner. Um, <laughs> but there's um, there's some agreement in the comments. I know Guy McMillan says everyone who will take a car test will have to spend a year on a motorbike, get everyone concentrating on observations more. I'll tell you the highlight of my day is always when there's a motorbike behind me and you just move to the left a little bit and they come past and do that thing where they put their hand out ever so subtly. I'm like, that's, that's my day made now. I'm sorted. Um, Chris. Are you going to completely rewrite the highway code or is there a, a new or altered rule? I want a page at the back that you have to sign after you've read it. Yeah. That's it. That's what I would add to the highway code. Because actually, it's pretty decent. Um, I think a lot of people think it's the law rather than a bullet point exercise. Um, there's things like little things that you change, wordings. It's actually got a lot better. Um, I would also make it so that they shout at us every time they make a change in it. Uh, a good example is the mini roundabout rule about signalling has been changed for ages and no one's got a clue, um, especially lots of driving instructors who who haven't read it themselves. Um, so I, I think there's that and that when you renew your licence, you should have to have an eyesight check and a medical and stuff and that should be in there as well. I don't know if it should be in there. I'm putting it in there so that my rule comes in. That's it. But I, I just like the idea of a back page you have to sign. Say yeah, you, everyone gets their own copy, and you have to say yes to it. I, I like it. I was just thinking. I wonder how many people would just sign it without reading it. But I think you kind of tie into mine because I, I was stuck between two. I was thinking I would remove the recent rule change around pedestrians at the junctions, but then re-put it in with proper communication. Because that's the problem, as you've said, shouting about it. Yes. Um, but the other one would be I would put a rule in saying that you have to go on a highway code course once every five years. That would be a, a mandatory rule within the highway code. You just want to write a course and sell it to people. That's what it is. It's disgusting. You can't do that. Man whore. Um, but I do want to touch on one other because there was a very specific question. Speaking of being annoyed. Um, that was specifically asked to you, Chris. Uh, so me and Laura are allowed to comment on this one, but screw it, because you've got your own specific question. I'll give it to you from a one that Les Hopkinson, who I'm sure will jump in the comments to uh, to say something in response to this. So, uh, in your opinion, brackets, Chris, not annoyed at all by this, uh, has the standard of driving gotten worse in recent years? And if so, what's the cause? As I regularly speak about on my podcast, um, I <laughs> winds him up every time. Um, I 
I don't think the standards changed. I think life's changed. I think we can see the same thing in in everything else in life. Um, the way that younger people learn differently to the way we do it, you know, and it was the same when we were younger. There were people going, "Oh, look at the youth of today, rock and roll." I'm not that old, but um, you know, it, all of those things that that we see that kind of evolution of things. Uh, it, it's probably just to do with that. I don't think it's getting worse. There's just more of us and there's more pressures and stresses and those come through in people's driving. So I, I don't think it's necessarily the standard. I think, you know, the importance that we put on it and and how we value driving is, is probably changing. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, Hopefully, the work that Terry's doing of getting you know, road safety into into the industry more will, will help get the message across more. Um, but yes, absolutely. Sorry, let's let's say the same thing. Of, of there's a bridge to road safety, hundred um, percent. But I I don't think it's getting getting worse. I think it's just getting different. Uh, cyclists are a good example. I think cyclists are a lot better than they used to be. And there's more drivers that are being the cyclists as well. Then you know, it's the same person. It's you know they're never in the room at the same time. Um, so because of that, those educated cyclists are educated drivers. We can't assume everyone's the, the same. I think there is an issue from the fact there's less police on the road. You know you're not going to get caught. So the you know there are people that will then take more risks because they don't see it as a risk. It's the, the danger is, am I going to get nicked? Not, am I going to go and crash? So yeah, I, I think those factors would, would be there. It's a really interesting question. Um, and I don't, I don't think we'll ever really know, but I, I do think it's changed. Right. It's different rather than worse. I was trying to think of another D it didn't work. It, it is a really interesting question. I have a, genuinely insightful and wonderful opinion on that I'm not going to give because I've not been asked. But I will just say that you spoke then about the uh, the, the generational aspect and, you know, the, the youth term of it. And I will just say, go check out season six of the Instructor Podcast with Samantha Dematos. We touched on that a bit there and it was really interesting. The, there is one last thing I want to come back to because when we were speaking about the test waiting times, the PDI test waiting times, um, there was there was one point we forgot to make because, well, I forgot because you you mentioned it to me previously, Chris, and it's not something I considered. And that's what's going to happen when supposedly the standard check comes back into play. It's how it might how it might impact ADIs in that sense. So, do you want to just just touch on that first for a minute? Um, I I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm really struggling. I I you know, I get the I get the concepts. I just I don't, how how are they going to get to a point where any of those things happen? And I'm really therefore struggling to kind of get my head around. What what do you do? Um, it's probably the tip system is going to be the thing that guides everything because it will be working from the bottom up, and and it will be based around that, and that that will that will resolve it, all the problems. I've I've got a, an idea that could work. <laughs> Go for it. It's the Are You Ready campaign, which is for driving tests. We'll yeah. just apply that to standards checks. And they'll ask instructors, only take your sanders check when you're ready to pass. 
Problem solved. Okay. <laughs> I think I've solved it. <laughs> it, it, it I'm, I'm interested. I would be really interested in there's two things one is the people that would say yes i'm ready and i want a standards check because i i i I love you all i tried to do that and they said no um in the when it first came out uh because it was all crystal ball stuff and we were trying to guess what they wanted so i was like well let me have one and i can tell you um and then the other end of it is i want those top performing adis i have asked is it possible to go and sit in the cars with them you know, let them let me know who they are. I want to go and see how they teach. And apparently, GDPR is an issue. They hold the details. They could ask them for me. What load of rubbish! Um, but I would love to go and do that, and just go and figure out: is it something negative that's causing them to be at the top of that tree? We'll say teaching test routes as being the obvious one that we all talk about. Um, and is teaching test routes bad? And you know, it'd be lovely to explore all of that. Um, or is there something magical about what they're teaching? What's interesting is that there's some grade Bs that are at the top of that tree, which would suggest that there's, you know, some some kind of kink in the standards check. Who knew? <laughs> I, I love the standards check. I think it's great, but I I think we could improve things. There's there's always room for improvement. And anything you want to add on to that, Laura? Um, I don't think so. I think it comes back to a training point of view is that I know a lot of instructors who then qualify are thinking, job done. I don't need to do anything. I know I'm not going to get a standards check anytime soon. The training goes out the window. They fall into a, a, a pattern of, you know, if they've got good training in the first place, that's fair enough. And, and some of them keep that. But so many know that they're not going to get a standards check pretty much anytime soon. So they're just not necessarily interested in keeping that training up until that email comes through or the brown envelope comes to the door. And um and then they're like, right, you know, now I've got some work to do. And then now we've got ADIs who who work under our franchise who qualified four years ago, still no standards check, and they should have got one within 12 months. Um and where's the motivation for them to keep up their training? They know they're not going to get another standards check. And unless you're truly committed to doing your own CPD, What's, where's the encouragement? Where's the, the, the encouragement to keep doing training? Well, I agree. Um, but I am going to ask you now, how have you found the Instructor Podcast? Is this a new highlight of your career? I think it's great. I think I was actually, I think up until about an hour before it, I, I don't mean it in a bad way, but I hadn't given it much thought. I was busy and I just thought, I'm not going to worry about it. And I think we'd already planned to, to record a podcast tomorrow. And you were really reassuring about that. You were like, you know, it's not live. It's okay. We can edit it. Like, you know, it's really chill. And then you were suddenly like, come and do this on Monday. Like, it's great. And like, but it is live. <laughs> but um, it's actually really good. And you've looked after me. So I'm happy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take that as yes. It's, it's a highlight of your career. Um, <laughs> you got to take a moment to... to um... <laughs> Uh, remind people where they can find you for for more Laura goodness. I think it depends what you want me for, really. Because if you're a PDI, get yourself on the PDI group, lose PDI group on Facebook. If you're wanting training, go to Go Green Driving Instructor Training. We have got ADI um, material on there. So going back to the standards check, if you're wanting that sort of CPD refresher type stuff, we've got stuff on there. 
if you're just wanting a chat or Morris on Facebook, just come and find me. We'll have a chat. Cool. And Chris, question for you. Who do you prefer working with, me or Rob Beckett? <laughs> um, I learnt a lot from Rob Beckett. Um, the best so... way to start this answer. <laughs> no, I... So... For those that don't know, um, I did a bit of consultation for Rob and Romesh versus uh, the Formula One episode that's or two episodes that are on. I didn't get to go to Monaco. I didn't get to meet you know any of the the racing people and and such. And uh, Rob did not fart in my car. Um, however, or well, not knowingly, I, I I wasn't aware of of him farting in the car. Anyway, um, so. Uh, the anyone who hasn't seen it, you need to see it, and that'll make sense. Um, Rob's only got an automatic license, and they came along with this idea of doing a you know, they were hoping it'd be an official driving test, but that was never going to happen, especially at the moment. So it was a, a mock as such. Um, we booked in a couple of hours to go and just get him a little bit of face so he could at least drive around a bit of a route wasn't going to happen um at all um but absolute credit to him he was very very risk averse was not willing to put anybody at risk even a lamppost um and he his attitude was um that if it had been worth it at the end he'd have put everything into it it wasn't worth it at the end it was a bit of tv not worth it and I loved that approach. It was just really sort of cut and dry and going, yeah. Um, so we we did a little a little bit of training, uh, and uh, he was very complimentary. It was all good, but there was no way, no way. I don't care who you are. It wasn't going to happen inside of that space of time. If we'd have had some more hours, he would have been fine. He knew what he was doing. He was overthinking it. It was it was all you know. He he was he needed to slow down. And anyone who's seen him on TV, you can tell that that's going to be the problem. Um, he needs to slow down. So uh, yeah, it was it was fascinating, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I didn't get to go to Monaco. I did ask if I could go down to the you know when they were doing the local stuff to to film, but it wasn't on the cards. And sometimes when you ask Chris a question, he avoids it. So, Chris, who do you prefer working with, me or Rob Beckett? Um, the most famous of the two, Terry Cook. Do you want to take a moment to uh, tell people where they can find you? Uh, you can find me, I forgot for a sec. Um, so you can find me on the ditc.co.uk. Uh, uh, any of your questions, you can come through there. Or... You can find me or you can send your pupils to me on Theory Test Explained if anyone needs any help with the theory test. And for more Instructor Podcast goodness, you can check out www.theinstructorpodcast.com where, as Laura mentioned previously, you can now find an events page. So all of the events for the industry, rephrase that, almost all of the events for the industry are now available. They're even colour-coded traffic lights. So the ones that are green are specific for ADIs, the ones that are amber are relevant for ADIs, and the ones that are red, not relevant, but still of interest for ADIs. We've links, so you can go and book tickets and find out more information. So that's www.theinstructorpodcast.com. Remember, click subscribe, and let's keep raising standards. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.